the word ekphrasis comes from the Greek for the description of the work of art produced as a rhetorical exercise. It is a vivid, often dramatic, verbal description of a visual art piece. Hi there, happy people. This is Darwin Mesadu. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of The Acrastic. It's a podcast where we paint pictures with words. Today's subject, Albrecht Dürer. He was a German painter, printmaker, theorist. He established his reputation across Europe when he was still in his 20s. And uh, he has since been um, conventionally regarded as the greatest artist of the Renaissance in Northern Europe ever since. We'll get to know him a little bit better, but first, let's get into some art news. First up, we have an article here in Art News, um, artnews.com, Picasso, Basquiat, lead auction markets comeback. So yeah, folks, they're back. The auctions are back. After a tumultuous uh, period during the first phase of the pandemic, Christie's, Sotheby's, and Phillips have bounced back in 2021 to pre-pandemic sale levels, an analysis of data across 13 modern and contemporary art sales that took place at the three houses between New York, London, and Paris from April to July show, um, uh, show some strength. Uh, during that time, the three houses brought in a total of $1.7 billion. Uh, this is up from $1.1 uh, achieved in the global evening um, and day sales during the same period in 2020. Pablo Picasso, Basquiat led the comeback, uh, emerging names like Flora Yuknakovich, uh, Salmon Tour and Singa Samson are also on the rise. Uh, I have to look up some of these guys a little bit later myself. Uh, maybe they can be featured in a future episode. So um, things are starting to turn around. You know, more people are getting vaccinated. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to f- figure ways to mitigate how to how to deal with a, a pandemic uh, in a constant in the background while going on with life. Uh, you know, whether if it's a uh, minimizing um how much people are in spaces or wearing masks or you know just throttling crowds throttling up and down crowds you know depending on what your space allows uh but you know this this is a sign of a comeback uh all right let's move on to the next one here apparently jay-z and beyonce are under fire for basquiat art in the tiffany's campaign teaser well, under fire from who exactly? I'm not sure, but I mean, it's fine with me. It's a good-looking uh, spread they got going here. Uh, Beyonce standing silhouette figure on the right. Jay Z sitting um, um, on a on a wood carved kind of um, um, sofa thing, and, and he's he's wearing a suit. And there's this giant Basquiat in the background. Uh, so what did they write about it? Actually, this uh, by the way, this is coming from the source. Um, the the um, you know, source online from the, you know, the magazine, but they got the online site. So check it out. Uh, they start off the new Tiffany's campaign teaser has the billionaire couple in the hot seat on Monday. The jewelry company released a teaser for their upcoming ad titled about love showing the celebrity powerhouse couple together with Beyonce, uh, donning a $30 million, 128 carat yellow diamond Tiffany necklace. Okay. So this is one of these exclusive necklaces that, they uh it's not for sale they just own it as part of their collection and so she's wearing this diamond and um 
I guess that's uh, well. Let's let them. Let's let the uh, the author here uh, describe um, what what is the issue. In doing so, Beyonce became the first Black woman to rock the iconic 128 carat gen stone that Audrey Hepburn wore in Breakfast at Tiffany's. This is also the first time we've seen Hove and Beyonce appear in an ad together. The billionaire couple is seen posed in front of a rare painting, Equals Pie, by Jay-Z's favorite artist, Basquiat. Uh, in 1982, the piece was sold in a private collection over 32 years ago and has um, never been seen before in public. Ironically, the painting's canvas primary color is Tiffany's signature Robin's Egg Blue. Shortly after the ad teaser dropped, Basquiat became a trending Twitter topic with many speculating how the famously anti-capitalist Brooklyn-born artist would likely feel about his artwork being used to sell jewelry. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of an, you know an amateurish way to look at it. He's being his artwork is being used to sell jewelry. I mean, when you get to these price points with jewelry, these this is it's it's more like art. Than and a, and a collectible type thing than it is you know everyday um, everyday wear. Uh, so if if Basquiat's artwork is there and in a jeweler and a jeweler designed this Tiffany diamond, um, that's kind of like their artwork. So I could see the theme being consistent in that. Uh, it's not like it's being hawked to sell jewelry. Granted, Tiffany is a jewelry company, but they're not selling that diamond. You know. Um, and Jay-Z and Beyonce are billionaires now. So, you know, act your wage. And they're acting their wage and rocking this. So, um, okay. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see the, I don't see the huge, I, I think people, some people are turning um, a mountain uh, out, of, out of a molehill on this one. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on and, and let them have their, um, their space to vent. And hopefully it, it, it won't get any, any, any fire on us. Moving on, so the Blue Origin uh, went into space, right? And they, when it went into space, it actually had some artwork on there. Uh, so Blue Origin successfully launched uh, Amako um, Boafo's artwork into space. The painting by the Ghanaian um, artist were on the three parachute panels on the outside of the capsule uh, at the very top. So. Uh, Boafo's paint painted a self-portrait as well as portraits of his mother and a friend's mother explaining mother's love comes from a place that is out of this world. I guess it's kind of ironic we're talking about a couple, another billionaire's passion project here uh, um, intertwining uh, with the art space, uh, but I digress. Blue Origin launched artwork painted on a capsule and a moon landing navigation experiment into space. Uh, this was uh, the Thursday before um, uh, August, uh, before the end of August, a month after sending founder uh, Jeff Bezos on the company's first passenger flight. So no one was aboard uh, that that flight. It was about a 10 minute flight. Uh, the paintings by the Ghanaian artist, um, I already read that part. Uh, school children from Ghana tuned into the launch website, according to Blue Origin. Uh, the Utah-based Uplift Aerospace Incorporated commissioned Boafo's work, uh, Suborbital uh, Triptych, as part of its new Art in Space program. I wonder what that entails. So we're going to send people to space and draw, maybe draw the Earth in the background or something? I don't, I don't know. I'll look into that one. 
A new Shepard rocket blasted off from West Texas on Blue Origin's 17th trip to space. The booster landed upright several minutes after liftoff. It's so cool when I see that that booster um, come comes back. I've seen it a dozen times now, and it it's amazing every time you you, you launch this rocket into space and and the, uh, the the payload can come right back down to Earth and land like you know pinpoint precision and you can reuse it. It's 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 a feat of technology and and that's and that's amazing to see every time. Uh, okay, so on July 20th, Blue Origin used another rocket and capsule uh, to launch Amazon founder Bezos. So this was done like a couple, I guess a week or so after that July 20th flight. His brother and two others who were um, ages 82 and 18 were on that flight. And it ran on TV. You turn on CNN and you can see, um, uh, you, you know, they watched, they, they did it from, they covered it from top to bottom. Um, so the billionaire got, got their, uh, got their 15 minutes of fame <laughs> as if they needed it anymore. It was the second New Shepard flight for the lunar landing experiment, which was mounted near the top of the booster and tested lasers and other sensors meant to ensure a pinpoint moon landing for astronauts. Also flying was equipment for turning astronauts' space trash into gas for recycling into fuel or dumping overboard. And when you say dumping overboard, you know what that means? That's, that means space junk. That, that is a euphemism right there for space junk and it's getting more and more uh crowded up there uh in lower earth at uh lower earth orbit and we're gonna have to deal with that at some point in time uh, whether we like it or not so maybe we should probably do something about space junk in the early term um verse, uh, versus when uh stuff is catapulting back at us uh down here on the ground or walking down the street and you have a piece of satellite fall on your head uh but this isn't a science podcast but um um, so, so I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that there. And finally, in Banksy news, I feel like we cover Banksy almost. Banksy almost every time. He's always up to something. Uh, but this time it wasn't really him, actually. Um, so a while ago, uh, he, he sold a, a Banksy sold at auction, and the, the the damn thing. Of course, you know he's a he's you know he's like an anti-hero here. Um, it shredded itself, like partly, right? Uh, so apparently, the guy who bought it um, decided to keep it, and looks like it's going back up for auction. So shredded Banksy artwork goes back under the hammer. And so this is uh, reading this from the Guardian, um, and they begin a Banksy's um, a Banksy uh, painting that partially shredded itself after being sold at auction is going back under the hammer. The subversive street artist stunned the art world when his Girl with Balloon attempted to self-destruct in London in 2018, immediately after the conclusion of the auction. A collector had the top bid of one uh, of uh, a million euro. The canvas was passed through a secret shredder hidden in the large Victorian-style frame, leaving the bottom half of the <laughs> in tatters and only a solitary red balloon left on a white background in the frame. It even looked like more art. It turned into a new piece of art, actually, and so I could see why you would want to keep it, especially with the story behind it. The painting, um, retitled Love is in the Bin, after the shredding, is back on uh, offer and will appear at Sotheby's auction in October. It has an estimated selling price of four to six mil. So you bought it for one mil and you're coming up and this has only been like, what, four years? Something like four years, um, and now you're going for four to four to six euro, uh, four to six million euros. 
Okay, so the girl with balloon, which uh, depicts a small child reaching up toward a heart-shaped red balloon, was originally stenciled on a wall in East London and has been endlessly reproduced, becoming one of Banksy's best-known images. Banksy rose to prominence through a series of graffiti pieces that appeared on buildings across the country marked by their satirical themes. The self-destruction was the latest in a long history of anti-establishment statements by the artist. Now, um, th this sentiment here is probably the same kind of thing that those who are beloved Basquiat fans were saying, you know, that imagine Banksy uh, being promulgated, um, you know, to f in the furtherance of capitalism, you know, 20 years from now, uh, when we all know even those of us who are casual observers like an amateur art enthusiast like myself know that he's very subversive and he's anti-establishment and capitalism and all that um and he pretty much thumbs his nose at at the um the uh, powers to be other recent works included the opening of Dismaland, uh, his dystopian um disneyland-esque theme park in 2015 which he described as a family theme park unsuitable for children Love is in a Bin will be offered at auction on 14th October. So uh, I should, so what is it, September? Um, in a couple episodes, yeah, I should have an update about this. And I'll let you folks know how much it's sold for. And if any crazy shenanigans um, continue, maybe, maybe it ends up finishing off the shred job or something like that after it sells again at closing. That would be kind of funny. Um, but that's it for the art news uh, this time. Let's get back to our artist, Mr. Durer. Albrecht Durer was born in the Franconian city of Nuremberg, one of the strongest artistic and commercial centers in Europe during the 15th and 16th centuries. Born in 1471, Albrecht was the third child um, of 18, actually, of the goldsmith Albrecht Durer the Elder, who had left Hungary to settle in Nuremberg in, in uh, 1455. His mother, Barbara Halper, was actually born there. Durer began his training as a draftsman in the goldsmith's workshop of his father. Through his father's, uh, though his father wanted him to continue his training as a goldsmith, he showed such precocious talent in drawing that he started as an apprentice to Michael Wagenmut at the age of 15 in 1486. 15. He produced the earliest known self-portrait drawing in uh, European art when he was only 13 and some of the first standalone landscapes. After three years in Wagenmut's uh, workshop, he left for a period of travel, a common German custom of taking uh, what do you call a uh, a wanderjar, so it's kind of like a walkabout, I guess, uh, and affect uh, a, a gap years in which the apprentice learned skills from artists in other areas. Durer was to spend about four years away. For a while, his life followed a standard bourgeois artist route. He studied painting with a sideline and printmaking, a guaranteed moneymaker. He hit the road for a year to check out the scene in other art towns like Basel and in Komar, and in 1494 he went home to marry Agnes Frey, the daughter of a local uh, Berger. So he's 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 he grew up in the one percent. He marries into the one percent because that's just the way they do things. That and he's an artist, so he you know 
he's wealthy. He can travel around and 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 do these things without um without much struggle for 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 for, for funds. But this learning um, how to do this printmaking thing will actually prove pivotal for him um, in the future. So soon after his marriage, Durer was uh, traveling again, but alone this time. Uh, well, he was already alone, but you, you would think he got married. And then he's go, going back to travel. Um, from some stuff that I read, I don't think he was too happy with the with the arrangement. Uh, this time he headed to Italy via the Alps, sketching plain air landscapes as he went. Venice was his goal. He stayed about two years when he returned again to Nuremberg in 1496. He brought Italy, or the experience, at least of Italian art, with him and settled down to deal with it and, and make it his own. Durer exerted a huge influence on the artists of succeeding generations, especially in printmaking, the medium through which his contemporaries mostly experienced his art, as his paintings were predominantly in private collections located in only a few cities. He used his watercolor and bodycolor studies as source material for his prints. His success in spreading his reputation across Europe through prints was undoubtedly an inspiration for major artists, all of whom will go on to collaborate with printmakers to promote and distribute their own work. Durer was a true homo universalis, uh, one of the first artists that showed interest in Italy and its art developments, and also one of the first painters to use watercolors and popularize the use of that medium, even though that wasn't his bread and butter. Today's ekphrastic poem is inspired by a young hare. It's a 1502 watercolor Durer completed in his workshop. The subject of the painting was particularly challenging. I mean, the hare's fur lay in different directions and the animal was lighter and darker patches all over. Uh, Durer had to adapt the standard conventions of shading to indicate the outlines of the subject by the fall of light across the figure. It's it's almost lifelike. Despite the technical challenges presented in rendering the appearance of light with a multicolored, multi-textured subject, Durer not only managed to create a detailed, almost scientific replication study of the animal, but also infuses the picture with a, a warm, golden light that, that hits the hair from, like, from the left, highlighting the ears and you know the run of hair along the body, giving a, a spark of life in the eye and casting a strange shadow to the right. If you look real close, actually, you can see, uh, and if you look like the, the right eye of the, of, the, of the rabbit, you can see the reflection of the window from the artist's studio in the right eye of the tiny animal. It's sort of like, makes me wonder if, I mean, how did he, okay, rabbits, they're finicky. Did he have a cage there and the rabbit was in the cage and he was painting through the cage. And so like, he just like envisioned the bars of the cage not being there. And so you could, you know, not miss any of those details. Um, was it, was the animal killed and stuffed and positioned so that he can, you know, you can be able to take his time to draw it or did he take maybe pieces from rabbits that he saw out in the wild during his travels, you know, he might have drawn a leg here, might have drawn some ears there, might have drawn some eyes there, and then came together to put it all in uh, in one piece. But again, the reflection in the window 
makes it seem like it was something that was done in his studio, completed like in his studio. So that's it's fascinating. It's a really excellent piece. Um, and so um, that's what we're, the poem is going to be about today. And, and to remind you, what you want to do is you're going to want to be looking at this art piece um, while I'm reading the poem because this is a visual and this, this is a description of a visual art piece, like a dramatic reading of a visual art piece. So as I'm speaking... You're going to go visit the Acrastic page on my website, darwindarkwin.com. Check the show notes. There should be a link there. Uh, you will find this and all artwork um, that we discuss uh, to accompany today's reading. I want you to go pull up the image of young hair. I'll give you a second to search for it in your browser. At the top of the bank, close to the wild cherry, where the blackbird sang, was a little group of holes almost hidden by brambles. In the green, half-lit at the mouth of one of these holes, two rabbits were sitting there side by side. At length, the larger of the two came out, slipped along the bank, under cover of the brambles, and so down into the ditch and up into the field. A few moments later, the other followed. The first rabbit stopped in a sunny patch and scratched his ear with rapid movements of his hind leg. Although he was a yearling and still below full weight, he had not the harassed look of most outskirters, that is, the rank and file of ordinary rabbits in their first year who, lacking either aristocratic parentage or unusual size and strength, get sat on by their elders and live as best they can often in the open, on the edge of their warren. He looked as though he knew how to take care of himself. There was a shrewd, poignant air about him as he sat up, looked around, and rubbed both front paws over his nose. As soon as he was satisfied that all was well, he laid back his ears and set to work on the grass. His companion seemed less at ease. He was small, with wide, staring eyes, and a way of raising and turning his head which suggested not so much caution as a kind of ceaseless, nervous tension. His nose moved continually, and when a bumblebee flew humming to a thistle bloom behind him, he jumped and spun around with a start that sent two nearby rabbits scurrying for holes before the nearest, a buck with black-tipped ears, recognized him and returned to feeding. Oh, it's only Fiverr, said the black-tipped rabbit, jumping at a blue button, blue bottles again. Come on, Buckhorn. What were you telling me? Fiverr, said the other rabbit. Why is he called that? Five in the litter, you know. He was the last, and the smallest. You'd wonder nothing had got him by now. I, I always say a man couldn't see him and a fox wouldn't want him. Still, I admit, he seems to be able to keep out of harm's way. The small rabbit came closer to his companion, lollylopping on long hind legs. Let's go a bit further, Hazel, he said. You know, there's something queer about the warring this evening, although I can't tell exactly what it is. Shall we go down to the brook? 
That, my friends, was from the great British novelist Richard Adams from his number one bestseller, Watership Down. I read this book many, many moons ago and absolutely loved it. It's a timeless classic novel of exile, courage, survival, and and it's all about rabbits. Who would have thought? Uh, perhaps he was inspired by Durer himself. It would be irresponsible not to speculate. Speaking of which, let's get back to our artist. In his last years, Durer became increasingly involved in his theoretical writings. The teaching of measurements was completed in 1525 and followed by various instructions of the fortification of towns, castles, and large villages in 1527. His last and most important treatise, Four Books on Human Proportion, was published uh, posthumously actually in October 1528. A number of painted and engraved portraits were produced in these, in these years, but the major work is the Four Apostles, dated 1526, that was presented to the City Council of Nuremberg. Durer died um, in April 1528, actually, uh, possibly as a result of a, of a malarial infection contracted in 1521 uh, when he went to uh, Zealand in the hopes of seeing a stranded whale. Uh, just like the well, what I was mentioning, a possibility with the the young hare, he 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 would do these trips and he would um, see these different animals and he would go see them and just to draw them and get that practice on these different tri types of animals. Uh, a great um, uh, durer is the, the the rhino, the rhinoceros. So if you can look that up, or at some point get to see that, it's uh, it's a very fascinating um, work of art and it has a signature. Um, iconic signature at, at the bottom there. Uh, if you're currently stateside, you are going to be hard pressed to run into a Durer on, ex uh, on exhibit. Uh, the National Gallery of Art in DC may have one or two on display. I, I, I think I read there was an exhibition that they did a few years back uh, where you would have saw a bunch of his stuff, but you know that was many years ago. Uh, the Met may also have it on display depending on when you visit. I'd call first if I were you, if you're specifically looking for that. Uh, for permanent collections, however, you'll, you'll have to visit Amsterdam or, or St. Pete, uh, not the one in Florida, um, or you can go to the Louvre in, in, in Paris. Uh, the Louvre is, is a common stop for folks that's going to Paris. If you're going to be there, um, you'll get a lot of these artists that we talk about. You'll, you'll get a lot of that exposure there. Uh, special breaking news, actually. Um, now that I'm looking into it, the National Gallery in London is actually doing a Dürer exhibition. Uh, it looks like it's going to be around the corner. So let's see. The show runs from November this year. November 20 this year until February 2022. It will be the first major UK exhibition of the German Renaissance artist in nearly 20 years. That's, hey, that's cool. Perfect timing. Uh, through paintings, drawings, prints, and letters, this exhibition follows Durer's travels across Europe, bringing to life the artist himself and the people and places he visited. So that's good news. Uh, we have plenty of time, folks. Let's get our tickets. <laughs> let's get let's uh, get vaccinated and hop on these planes if they if they let us in, right? Uh, okay, so now that that sounds like a good time. Um, and, and now you can impress your friends with some of the stuff you learned today when you take that trip with them to Europe. Um, but with that said, I, I appreciate you taking that journey to me. We uh, that journey with me today. We painted a, yet another pretty picture 
with our words. I'm glad um, you were able to join me for this and other artwork we discussed. Please visit www.darwindarko.com backslash It's where you can find all of this stuff catalog for your viewing pleasure. If you like the show, remember, please leave us some creative feedback. Uh, rate us five stars, hopefully, and leave a comment. It's always helpful. Another great way to support the show is to share it on your socials, your Facebooks, your your Instagrams, and all those 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 good things. Uh, and I look forward to reading your comments, and maybe one day I can read them on air. I'm Darwin Messadu. Thanks again for listening to The Ekphrastic. <laughs>